Hello, microbe friends. I'm Justine Dees, and welcome to the Joyful Microbe Podcast. It's the show all about the microbes we encounter in our daily lives. Thank you so much for tuning in. I can't wait to share this show with you. Today, I will be chatting with Marta Cortesau, and we are going to talk about space microbes. So the field of microbiology spans many areas of study, and some focus on microbes living in different environments, like the ocean, the desert, and the soil, and some of them focus on space. I know, it kind of seems like this out there idea thinking about microbes out in outer space, but they can actually survive in space. But what types of microbes do this and how? Well, you're going to find out because I got to talk to the space microbiologist Marta Cordesau about her research and asked her some questions about these microbes that live in space. So, In this episode, you're going to learn about what space microbiology is and what kinds of microbes are in space and about microbes that are from Earth and then potential life on other planets. So microbes that are from Earth that end up in space and then those that maybe we will discover in the future that actually are from other planets and how spores help some microbes grow in space and how to study microbes in space because there's specific ways to do this and how microbes act when they're in space conditions and also the potential for microbes on Jupiter's moon Europa and then we talk a little bit about Marta's journey to actually becoming a space microbiologist and she tells us about this really excellent coloring book that she made and it's all of course about space microbes and then shares an indoor mold scavenger hunt activity with us so i hope that you enjoy the show let's get on into the interview hi marta thank you so much for coming on the joyful microbe podcast thank you for inviting me So, Marta, you have done some really awesome outreach when it comes to microbiology and specifically microbes and their lives in space. You have a really great website called Space Microbiology, and you have some videos on YouTube, and you've even helped out with a free online microbiology course. So um, why don't you go ahead and just kind of give us like an introduction to space microbiology. Um, what is that exactly? Or people have never heard of that idea. <laughs> yeah, so space microbiology um, is kind of, you know, it started back in the 50s, space age, when when people started going to, to space. And, and when we started sending humans to space, then we kind of realized, okay, 
wherever humans go, microbes will also go. So um, not only was it interesting to know how humans adapt to space, but uh, scientists at NASA and all over the world started thinking, okay, what actually happens to microbes when they go to space? And yeah, first they were also saying like this old biology in space to be called exobiology. Um, right now we kind of um, know it as astrobiology, um, which is like the study of the origin, the evolution and the distribution of life in the whole universe. So not only on the planet Earth and as kind of a, uh, inside field of astrobiology, you have this specific part of space microbiology that specifically looks at microbes um, in space. Do you think that the organisms that we find in space are ones that people will like be afraid of or do you think they'll be the ones that we don't really have to worry about since like here on earth the majority are ones that we don't have to worry about they're just going about their lives and sometimes helping us and um and very you know infrequently harming us what in comparison to the massive microbes that are on the earth um so what do you think how do you think that will look in space yeah, so there's two kinds of, um, you know, ways we can look at this. The first one is microbes in space as the microbes that we take with us when we are going to space. So right now on the International Space Station, the astronauts are there. And of course, there's a lot of different microbes that we we cannot, you know, sterilize ourselves. So that, that will just be impossible. And as you said, most of the microbes are actually um, good for us. So we also don't want to clean them all out uh, Mm. of our bodies and our habitats, you know, our space stations. So as we go uh, maybe to Moon or Mars, the microbes will also be with us. And of course, everything uh, changes. And like here on Earth, so there might be some microbes that can make us sick. Um, And on the other hand, then we also can use these microbes like to produce food or vitamins or antibiotics, which will also help us. So I think it will be the same, you know, threats and the same opportunities that we have here on Earth that we will also find in space. But then, so the other way to look at it is the microbes that, you know, the aliens that we didn't find yet. This is another Mm -hmm. thing that we can look at. And of course, those, um, you know, because we haven't found them, they are in a completely different ecosystem Uh, Once we found them, maybe they will be more harmful to us. Uh, This is just, you know, something that we have to consider that can happen. Uh, And that's also why um, right now when we are planning um, missions to Mars to to actually uh, take samples or to the icy moons of Jupiter um, and Saturn, if we think about bringing samples to Earth and analyze them to try to find life, then we need to be very careful because, you know, maybe they will be harmful. Maybe not, but we need to consider the possibility that they are harmful, at least just because we are not used to them. So maybe the shock, you know, of finding a new micro, as it is when you put, you know, a new uh, plant in a, in a different country, it can also overtake the system. It will be the same with the microbes. Mm-hmm. So when people go out into space, we have microbes all over our bodies and um, and then it's like you have to kind of sterilize everything that goes out into space. How do you kind of prevent contamination? Has there been any problems with contamination in the past and how have they dealt with that? Yeah, so right now, yeah, we have to every... Um 
you know, probe or rovers, specifically rovers um, and landers that are going to land on Mars, for instance, they have to be uh, very clean uh, just to make sure that we are not bringing you know, our microbes to Mars and then later trying to find life on Mars. And the only thing we find is our life that we brought. So this would be, you know, really stupid. If we go mm-hmm. there, we find, we try to find Mars life and then whatever we find is our life that we brought years ago. Um, so yeah, there's a whole lot of um, procedures that have to go. So all the instruments and all the, you know, the, the parts of the rover, um, have to be clean. There's a specific, um, so it's called spacecraft assembly facilities, and and there's a lot of um, you know specific protocol that you have to follow uh, to clean everything very well uh, with very harsh chemicals, or you can heat sterilize it, so put it under uh, extreme heat. Uh, and this usually kills most microbes. Um, so there are some that cannot really be killed that easily. Uh, but the idea is to minimize the, the contamination. So it's not like we, we need zero microbes, but we just really need to make sure that there's almost nothing. Also because the actual space travel will be a sterilizing procedure because space is a really mm-hmm. harsh environment. So if they go to Mars and they spend you know six months or one year in space, this environment will also kind of help uh, kill uh, the microbes until they reach um, the surface of Mars, for instance. So the microbes on an astronaut, like inside of their spacesuit, I would imagine those are probably kind of protected. So are those kind of like <laughs> little <laughs> tiny astronauts traveling along with the <laughs> the human astronauts? <laughs> and then they, I guess they wouldn't get sterilized by no. <laughs> the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if the microbes go inside the spacecraft or inside the rover or inside the astronaut or inside the mm-hmm. spacesuit, yeah, they would be way more protected. Probably they will survive the space travel. There is also, um, so some years ago, uh, there were, uh, the scientists were calling them micronauts for all the, <laughs> the micros that, that were astronauts. That's really funny. Um, so, how could you really tell the difference if, let's say, something got contaminated years ago and then years later they found this so-called life on other planets? How how do they really know that that was from Earth? Or like if it happened to be that, yeah. um, you know, somewhere, somewhere in space, the microbes kind of look similar to ours which we don't know that for sure. They may look completely different in a lot of different ways. But if they did happen to be similar to microbes here, then how would we tell the difference and know that they came from Earth? Yeah, so that's a very tricky question. The truth is we have no idea. (laughs) Like you said, we don't know if they would be similar or completely different. Um, Personally, I think they would be similar just because, you know, all the geology and all the, the composition of the universe, at least in our own solar system, and specifically thinking about Mars, is not that different from Earth. So it would be similar to what Earth um, uh, was uh, in the beginning uh, of its evolution. So this is something interesting, but we would not know how to, how to um, differentiate. That's also why it's so important that we are not bringing... Um, microbes to Mars because then it will be really tricky to see if it was our life or if it's Martian life. I mean, one of the um, few things that we could do 
is, of course, you know, if you look at the DNA sequence very specifically, you can kind of trace back uh, and see the connection with other life forms, with other microbes. And of course, if if uh, these uh, DNA sequence would show that um, it's very connected and very similar to all the other microbes on Earth, then we would probably say, yeah, probably this is Earth uh, life. Um, but yeah, we never know. Let's see if we if we find uh, life on Mars <laughs> or in another mm-hmm. um, planet or moon, and then and then we will talk again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be really interesting. Um, okay, so studying microbiology that alone is kind of abstract for a lot of people, even to think about because you're studying something that's invisible. But then you also study space. So that is something, a place where very few people have actually gone. So what is it like to study that something so abstract and (laughs) how can we bring that into terms people could actually like wrap their heads around if they've never even studied microbiology before and never been to space? Yeah. So yeah, you are right. It's very abstract. This is part of why I really like it because uh, it's a little bit more, you know, I like the things that you cannot see. Um, mm-hmm. It is sometimes hard to to integrate it, you know, in our daily lives. Um, but I think also now, uh, you know, you, we all know that we have astronauts um, uh, going around and that we have been to the moon. And I like to think about it as... Um, uh, you know, in <laughs> a lot of years ago, in the discovery period, I mean, I'm Portuguese, I always mention this, um, people didn't really know that there were other continents, you know, and we knew that there were other, um, you know, uh, civilizations, but it's not like everyone could travel, get on a plane or on a boat and travel to another continent. This was something also very abstract. Uh, and I think right now it's the same for us and other planets. So the moon, Mars, Jupiter, and then beyond. So it's something that it's still very abstract. You still have to pay a lot and only very few people can actually go on the spaceships and go to the space station. Uh, even less people have gone to the moon. So sometimes I understand it's very hard to believe in it. There's people that don't believe that we've been to the moon. <laughs> I understand it, you know, and, and then when you talk about microbes, it's even worse because you also cannot see them. And you know that you get sick from it. You know, uh, when you get sick of the stomach, people give you these uh, tiny bottles and you need to drink them. And they are basically microbes that you ingest because microbes are in our guts and we need them to function properly. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it is very abstract, but it's mm-hmm. also a very, um, you know, important part of... Uh, of who we are and how we live our daily lives. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think it's just kind of an interesting thing to think about that it's like just so different from what we usually are thinking about in our day to day. But so how did you get interested in space microbiology? So first I, you know, I saw, I saw a lot of, um, uh, sci-fi series and my family was very into space and and history and so this was something that I grew up with um also Mm -hmm. the movies and books and everything related to to science fiction and and space exploration 
And so it was just natural to me. And then at some point, I also really, I understood that I liked biology. I was just very interested in knowing more about my own body, about our, you know, humans as a being and how we work. Uh, and then slowly as I entered uh, university, uh, I understood that I really liked microbiology because, you know, it's like a simple human. It's way more easy. Mm. You know, it's way easier to understand. Um, it's not at all easy, but it's easier <laughs> to understand than humans because it's just <laughs> a, simp a more simple um, mechanism and system. Um, and then somehow, I don't know what happened. I kind of Googled it and somehow I found the word astrobiology and I was like, <laughs> wow, okay. It's not science fiction. There's actual scientists, uh, you know, studying life in other planets and how this could happen, how life could originate, um, how life could have originated in our own planet, you know, the origin of life. Uh, how everything evolved, how could um, life could also uh, originate elsewhere. And, and once I understood that this was actually a real science, uh, a real scientific field, I, I just couldn't let go, you know. And, and then when I understood also that I could combine this uh, life in space and apply it specifically to microbiology, um, yeah, then it was perfect. <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. Um, so you actually helped out with this course called Euro, it was hashtag Euro Micro MOOC. And um, so that was the first worldwide open access microbiology course. And that was on Twitter. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And that was one of the first times that I ever came across your um, stuff that you do to communicate about microbiology and space microbiology. And um So I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit and um, a MOOC for anybody that doesn't know what that is. It stands for Massive Open Online Course, and that just means it's an online course that's open to anyone and available so that it's you don't have to pay for it and you can learn cool stuff like about microbiology. And um, so I think that's really cool that you did this. So... I wanted to ask you something that you talked about in the course, um, which I will link to in the show notes also. Um, can you kind of explain how is it that microbes can grow and adapt to the space environment? Like what is it that makes them good at this? And um, kind of give us some examples maybe of some microbes and what they do. Mm -hmm. So one example I can uh, give is the microbe that I'm working with, um, which is mold, uh, the mold that we find in our bathrooms or in our bread or, you know, in an orange or uh, in our fruits. Um, yeah, so this mold has been found also growing in the International Space Station uh, inside. Um, it was found on uh, a wall. So this happened because the astronauts were... You know, they have to exercise to keep their um, muscles working. And uh, as they exercise, they sweat. And because in the International Space Station, there's no gravity, they are in this weightlessness, uh, zero-G microgravity. Um, the sweat in form, you know, of uh, water droplets kind of uh, disperses very easily and then it uh, accumulates in the wall. Uh, and this moisture in the wall combined with the sweat of the astronauts uh It's like the perfect, um, uh, you know, soup 
<laughs> and, per- <laughs> yeah. and perfect uh, place for the mole to grow. Um, and then, mm-hmm. of course, they found it. Um, and then it started, you know, raising a lot of questions. Okay, it actually grows very well under uh, spaceflight um, conditions. So in microgravity or with no gravity. Um, and then... We also know, uh, because we have studied this, that um, mold has some uh, very uh, specific structures. So part of um, how it grows, it forms uh, these things called spores. Uh, And these spores are particularly resistant. So even when we put them outside of the space station, so this means that, you know, there's no ozone layer to protect them. They're outside of the atmosphere of Earth. They have all the radiation coming from the sun, coming from... Uh, the cosmic background radiation, and they also don't have any atmosphere, so they are in complete vacuum, and and still they can survive um, these conditions. And there's also other bacteria, but specifically the these microbes that are actually able to um, survive in outer space. So, you know, not inside the space station, outside of and completely unprotected, uh, they survive because they have different uh, strategies. So. So they are kind of smart uh, in terms of how they protect themselves. Um, So for instance, uh, these spores, what they do, they have a really thick cell wall. Uh, And what this means, I like to to say, it's like, imagine if you are, you know, in the snow uh, uh, and you are naked, you are very uh, vulnerable. You will probably die of cold if you stay there for some hours. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you have a really thick jacket with you, uh, this will protect you and you will probably be there and you are living your life happily even though you're in the snow and it's a very extreme environment, but you can um, survive it because you are protected. So yeah, these microbes have a thick cell wall, which is kind of their coat. Uh, and this also um, allows them to to survive space conditions. So talking about spores, you have spores that can be in mold, but then there's also bacteria that can form spores um so can you tell us a little bit about like what that's like for bacteria and how it helps them is it kind of same sort of thing or it's just this coat that protects them from those extreme conditions like the vacuum and the radiation and temperatures yeah, so for bacterial spores, it's kind of the same approach, um, but more like the, instead of just one giant coat, they have a lot of coats, <laughs> one on top of the other, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of layers. Um, mm-hmm. In the end, it kind of works the same way, you know, it's just, you know, the shielding from the outside environment, so shielding the DNA, which is the most important part to, to protect. If uh, the DNA uh, gets damaged, then... They are also very good at repairing DNA damage if it is damaged. Um, but first and foremost, what they want is to protect the DNA, so preventing it from from mm-hmm. actually being damaged. And that's why they have all of these layers or uh, these giant coats uh, protecting them from the outside environment. Yeah. So whenever people and you, you know, researchers study microbiology in space. Um, what is it like to do that and how how is that done exactly? Yeah, so we have uh, a lot of different ways. Um, the most direct way, of course, is to send the microbes to space and see how they grow, um, you know, if their DNA gets damaged or how much they survive. Um, but sending experiments to the space station, for instance, it's 
you know, there's a lot of us that want to send um, experiments to the space station and there's only six astronauts. Um, and everyone wants to send an experiment. Of course, everyone wants to see if their micro survives in space or other things. You know, astronauts are real scientists. They do a lot of experiments every day in all um, scientific fields, not only biology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so sending these experiments to space, it's very expensive. And it's also, you know, hard from a logistics point of view because there's just no time. Astronauts cannot do any, everything uh, that, you know, <laughs> yeah. we want. So um, what we have also is a lot of simulation facilities. We can simulate, for instance, the radiation of the sun. We can um, simulate vacuum, so we can, you know, put the microbes in a small chamber and and take out out all the atmosphere. Uh, We can also simulate the zero gravity. Um, It's it's not like the perfect simulation, but it's very good. Um, And we can do this, um, you know, by rotating the spores uh, or the microbes um, constantly. And then in the very center, uh, there's like kind of a floating function um, where the microbes are are not going down. They're just floating around. And this kind of simulates microgravity. And yeah, so we have a lot of these uh, simulation um, platforms that allow us to kind of um, see what would happen if microbes can go to space. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay, so there's basically two ways to do it. You can either send them to space, which is really hard because... There's only a few people that can actually do it. And then um, you can also simulate it. And um, so how do you, what are the ways to simulate microgravity? Yeah, so for microgravity, there's um, actually a lot of ways. So you can also put um, your microbes in an airplane. And this airplane can kind of do... um, it's called parabolas where the plane just goes up and down um, like in a wave uh, up in the air. And it's almost like what we feel in a roller coaster, you know, when it's going down and it goes up again, uh, you kind oh, of feel yeah. this tickling. Uh, this is like <laughs> some microseconds of uh, microgravity. Uh, and if you do this in an airplane, um, there's kind of a balance between the G forces and you can get some seconds of microgravity. Uh, but for example, if you want to grow a bacteria or this mold, they, they take some days to grow. So it's not as good for, for these microbes. Uh, if you want to see how they grow, like the airplane, only some seconds of microgravity is not going to be enough to see a lot of changes. Um, so yeah, what, what we do is, is putting them on the cleanostat or um, on other uh, rotating devices. Um, we have something called a Petri dish cleanostat, for instance, uh, and we can put these Petri dishes um, in there. And uh, like I said, they constantly rotate um, and this makes them, you know, kind of tricks the microbe to, to think that they are floating instead of just being pushed to the ground like in normal gravity. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like the comparing the airplane to being on a roller coaster. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure there are people out there that are like, I hate roller coasters, but <laughs> I personally love them. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, I wonder what the microbes think. <laughs> what are some of the things that we've learned about how do microbes respond to those conditions in space? 
Yeah, so a lot of uh, microbes, so different microbes uh, answer differently. Um, what we already know, um, especially for microgravity, is that um, they grow almost as well um, as uh, here in 1G, you know, in normal gravity, uh, or even better. So there's a lot of microbes that grow faster um, and, and better in microgravity. Um, there's also some microbes that can, uh, you know, uh, increase their um, virulence in the sense that maybe a bit easier to make us uh, sick as humans um, and the other way around. So there's microbes that also, you know, get less uh, dangerous when they go to microgravity. Um, yeah. And in terms of radiation and vacuum and all of this, then, you know, they are not really um, growing actively. What we really want to know if is if they resist at all. So if, you know, they can keep their DNA intact, if they can um, survive for a lot of years. And then if we put them in this, um, you know, the Petri dish, the soup with a lot of ingredients, if they can actually come back to life. So this is the interesting part of the really harsh conditions of space is to know if they can actually survive, not so much if they are actually uh, growing and reproducing. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so I saw that you had, you did a TEDx talk and that's on YouTube. So I'm going to link to that in the show notes as well. And you talked about astrobiology. Um, but one thing that I thought would be cool that you mentioned um, so that you could talk about it is that one of your favorite places to study is Jupiter's moon Europa. So can you kind of tell us about that and why you like it and how it applies to what you study? Yeah, so there's a lot of, so for astrobiology, you know, what we want to know is how life could have originated on Earth and uh, elsewhere, and if there is life elsewhere. And there's a lot of places in our solar system that are interesting, but, you know, this uh, Jupiter's moon uh, that is called Europa, Jupiter has four main moons. One of them is Europa. Uh, and for me, it's very interesting because it has a massive ocean. So, you know, our ocean, we already know it's really, really deep and that it's really hard to get to the bottom of it. Um, it's almost easier, more e like easier to go to the space station than to the bottom of our own ocean uh, somehow. And our ocean mm. has uh, 10 kilometers. I have no idea how much this is in feet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> our, our ocean is 10 kilometers. And this moon of Jupiter has an ocean of 100 kilometers, which is a lot. And this ocean is also uh, so salty water. Um, and, you know, wherever we find water, especially in, in liquid state, we, we tend to, you know, think, okay, probably there is life there because, you know, this is one of the things we know life on Earth really needs is water. Mm -hmm. There might be other life forms that don't need, but at least most of, uh, of you know, the life that we found here uh, needs water. And this is something interesting, you know, because planet Earth is like the only uh, evidence that we have for life. We don't have any other one. So usually when we look for life elsewhere, mm -hmm. we only have one example, which is us. So it's normal that, you know, we are trying to find life on other planets and we think back, okay, how is life on Earth so that we can compare what could be uh, elsewhere? So yeah, if we have an ocean and it's salty and Europa also has an ocean and it's salty. So I'm almost, you know, 100% <laughs> confident that, that there's some bacteria there. 
Well, that's really cool. That'll be really interesting to find out. Um, so how are we, <laughs> I don't know that much about space travel, but how do we get to Jupiter's moon and what have we sent there? Is, is there, has there been anything that's traveled to Jupiter so far? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot of probes also to Saturn, uh, you know, to take pictures or orbiters, you know, that go around, um, Saturn or Jupiter, um, take pictures. They can also, um, uh, get, you know, information about the composition of the, the moons. That's also why we know there's an ocean. We know that it's salty because we can know the composition. Uh, and there's also a lot of missions that will go, um, and try to actually land on the surface of, um, these moons, uh, and hopefully also, um, analyze you know, exactly in the ice because, so this moon has an ice crust and then below the ice, there's this massive ocean. Um, and it would be very interesting, you know, when we go there and we can actually know what is in the ice and maybe we can find some organic molecules. And that for me would be amazing because it, it really means that probably, you know, there will be some life form there. Mm. Yeah, that's really cool. So you've done a lot of outreach when it comes to space microbiology, and um, I kind of wanted to hear about what motivated you to want to do that, to share that with more people than just the research community. Yeah, so it all started when I was applying for my PhD, and I had this, uh, you know, in between my master's and my PhD, I had this year kind of, uh, it was not really gap year because I was doing stuff, but I had a lot of time to think about what I wanted to do. Um, and it somehow, you know, as you said, microbiology is very abstract and I wanted to make it a bit easier for people to understand and to relate to microbiology, which is something that, you know, it's in our bodies on and in, and it's everywhere. Um, so it just, for me, it made sense that people kind of can understand it a little bit better. And because I like space so much and I was, you know, trying to get into a PhD that was studying space microbiology, uh, I decided to, um, you know, I was in a cafe and I was like, what, what if I did like a coloring book where I talk about <laughs> the bacteria and the microbes, you know, the fungi um, and how they are useful for space exploration? And, and then I thought about this coloring book and then I kind of put it all together into the, um, my website, uh, called Space mm -hmm. Microbes. And, and yeah, and it kind of went from there. Like I started doing this and then I, I thought, okay, maybe I can actually put more stuff. I started writing, uh, about my, uh, adventures as a PhD student and, and mm -hmm. trying to find how to work with fungi because I never worked with mold before. Uh, so I also started to say, okay, what is mold in space? Did you know that there's mold in space? Mm -hmm. And and you kind of went from there. And also, I really like to do presentations and, and, and to talk about this. And it's something I really like. And, you know, it's something that I think can inspire people. So I I like it a lot when I can talk about this and I see in other people that they are interested and they get inspired to, to also look into space and into microbiology. I think it's very important that we keep curious and that, you know, we like mm. to learn about the, the world around us. Yeah, that's so cool. 
I love that you want to just help people kind of get excited about it and show them like there's this other thing and it's really neat. And I think if you know about it, it will make your life even better. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just try to think about that with whenever I share about it. I'm like, I just want people to see that this is something that's amazing and it will enhance your life. You can go and walk around and look outside and think about it. Yeah. Um, and but I love, love, love that you have a coloring book and that all started with that. That's so cool. So I'm going to link to that. Everybody needs to go check that out. It'll be in the show notes. But um, I just that is such a neat idea to have a coloring book with microbes, but then apply that to space microbiology. That's just so, so neat. Um And also, whenever you mentioned the mold in space, I just think it's so funny because you did mention the um, astronauts and working out and stuff. And there's a there's a picture actually everybody should go look at that was in um, your presentation that that was in the MOOC that we talked about earlier. It was actually showed the mold on the um, I guess was it the International Space Station? Is that where that picture was from? Yeah. So it's kind of neat. You get to see the the visual of the mold on the space station. Um, so what kind of things can we do and um, to actually wrap our brains around this topic of space microbiology? Is there like an activity that maybe everybody could do to experience the microbial world in a hands-on way? Yeah, so giving this example of mold and, you know, if it can find its way to the space station, and I'm sure we all know, um, you know, have encountered mold in our lives. Uh, maybe um, one thing that, you know, we can all do at home is to do kind of a scavenger hunt to try to find mold. Um I bet that you can find mold in your bathroom. Uh, it's <laughs> like they usually like a lot of moisture. And mold is also, uh, you know, a natural decomposer. So it, they like a lot of things that are uh, almost uh, getting dead. And, and um, yeah, so usually you can find it when you, um, you know, in your bread when it starts to get old or in your fruit um, or even in your plants. They also like a lot of this rest of the of the plants. So this is some things you can do. Maybe try to find mold in your house. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good. I just found a strawberry the other day, actually. (laughs) Yeah, they like strawberries. I also found one in my yogurt, but it was closed. So I was not expecting it at all. It was supposed to be new. And I just opened the lid and out comes a super perfect, you know, for microbiologists, super perfect colony of mold. And I was just like, oh, my God, I find mold everywhere now. Like studying mold oh is the God. worst because now I find them literally everywhere. I cannot oh unsee God. it. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I think I, I wouldn't expect to find that in yogurt, really. <laughs> so no. That's really funny. Yeah. I think in this case, it was more because it was a hole, probably. So they, they need a lot of air and a lot of moisture. So probably there was a hole there somewhere that was letting the air pass. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I love that activity. I think that'll be really fun for people. Um, Do you have any resources? So that would be like books or websites or articles on this topic that listeners could go um, look at and go deeper on this topic? Yeah, so definitely um, 
check the Euromicro MOOC, the, the massive open online course that is on Twitter. Uh, and I guess you will also share it. There's a lot of information on space mm -hmm. microbiology that I collected. Um, in particularly, so if, if you are a scientist, if you are a microbiologist, if you want to learn more, Uh, there's this paper called Space Microbiology uh, by Gerda Honig. And it's very interesting to, you know, it's a cool summary of uh, some space experiments. It's a little bit old. It's from 2010, but I think it was, it was like the first one summarizing the whole uh, scientific field of space microbiology. And another cool resource I wanted to tell you about is the um, Coursera online course from Charles Coquel from the University of Edinburgh. Uh, which is uh, one of the first ones I actually attended uh, because I wanted to know more about astrobiology and it was perfect. Um, wow. So Charles Coquel is also a really good science communicator. He's one of the top astrobiologists in the whole world. Um, and he's just amazing. He's just really, you can tell he really likes to, to communicate science. And particularly this online course is very useful. It goes to the basics. It explains everything really well. And yeah. It will be awesome if you check it out if you're interested. That is so great to know. Um, so that's on Coursera. And what's the name of the course? I think it's Introduction to Astrobiology, something like this, Origins of Life, something like this. Cool. Okay. I can share will, with you. Yeah, and I will share that in the show notes. Um, those are really great resources, I think. This has been so awesome. Thank you so much again for coming on and talking talking to me today. I, It's just been a blast and I've learned so much. So I really appreciate your time. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much. I really liked, uh, liked talking to you. Yeah, it was really fun. So where can everyone go to find and follow and connect you, with you? Yeah, so I'm in Twitter at Marta Kurtzown, but my name is uh, like Space Microbes. The Twitter handle was already taken, so I could not put it. Oh. <laughs> uh, and also in spacemicrobes.com uh, and also on Instagram at uh, Space Microbes. And I recently started my YouTube channel on Space Microbes. Um, I only have one video, but I'm planning on doing more. So yeah, if you want to connect with me, just Google Space Microbes. Yes. Oh, and your YouTube video is so awesome. Oh man, I'm totally. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you that like and it. I didn't. I was. I'm really excited to see more of your videos. Thank you so much again. This has Thank been you. amazing. All right. How cool is that? Hearing about space microbes. I really enjoyed that and had fun talking with Marta. And so, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Joyful Microbe Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you'd like to help others who love microbes to find the podcast, then please leave a rating and a review for the show and tell a friend. To learn more about the Joyful Microbe, head on over to joyfulmicrobe.com where you will find the show notes and all the links and resources mentioned. Thanks again, microbe friends. Talk to you next time.